Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What is the last episode of this season's Rule the Roost podcast? I'm joined this evening by Mr. Raj Baines. Hello, Raj. Hello. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. I am. I am, of course, Mr. Jack Hussey, the trunk, or Jack the trunk Hussey. There we go. Pseudonym. What an egotistical wanker. Um, and we're also joined by Mr. Rob Brown. How, how's it going, Rob? Pretty good. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back, sir. We've uh, you've been the, the 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 topic of much discussion over over the course of the season. Your, yeah, so I've heard your your exploits across South America are, are well documented, <laughs> at least in me and Raj's visioning of what what took place out there. But good time well documented good... and very possibly exaggerated. I can imagine. <laughs> good time south of the equator, sir. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Any any particular highlight at all? Uh, God, where to start? Probably seeing Raquel May play. That was pretty good. Um, well, I can't go into many of the highlights because they're, well, depends post-Watershed and all that. Hey, um, lads bounce. No, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, 20-something games of Argentine football. That was pretty good. Uh, Iguazu Falls, Brito Moreno Glacier. Yeah, all highly recommended. And Argentina hating Lionel Messi, which is a good article if, if, if anyone listening hasn't read Rob's article about how Argentina has rejected Lionel Messi. It's definitely a good one. I read it on In Bed With Maradona, but Raj tells me there's an unabridged version which is stronger, in his opinion. Interesting. Oh. I, did, I didn't want to throw a cat amongst any pigeons or anything. hope I haven't done. No. I, I just I read it first, as I always do, when Rob puts things on his on his own thing. I um, I read it first there, so I um, I flick through the, um, the edited version. But I, I, I prefer things being... You know, drawn out and long and unedited. That's why me and Ben, me and Ben, sorry, me and uh, Rob have disagreed many a time on the uh, the Blizzard and the way they ramble on in that. And I, I quite prefer that style of self-editing, whereas Rob doesn't doesn't like being as verbose as I do. No, it's good to water things down. Make sure it's uh, edit things down. Sorry, make sure it's concise to the point. I don't know. The Blizzard's fine for what it is, but it's. Yeah, it's just too long. There's too many shit articles in there by people who are just there on name rather than subject. Sounds a bit like this podcast, mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, we we haven't spoken about any TV. You're watching House of Cards, aren't you, at the moment, Raj? Yeah, and mainly for Kate Mara. But other than that, um, we know my penchant for uh, ginger women. And then uh, other than that, I've kind of 
watching 24, which is the most uh, far-fetched thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's utterly ridiculous. It's like Tim Sherwood's written it. Some of the storylines, it's, um, <laughs> it, it genuinely is. I mean, if there isn't an hour that goes by where Jack Bauer hasn't gone against the state and waterboarded somebody, then uh, I don't feel fulfilled. But it's, it's, it's perfectly good fare to watch mind-lumbingly along. Do you think Tim Sherwood sees himself as football as Jack Bauer? He probably does. <laughs> he probably does, actually. It's quite a good comparison. If he could yeah. tell the time, then uh, he would fit in well. But I don't, I don't think he'd know when an hour was up. He's, he'd struggle with that one. Very nice. Yeah. I'll get there when I'll get there. That, that would probably be... That's a working title. Give me a bit of time and I'll... Uh, anyway, fuck it, move on. Shit joke. Um... Should we talk about this god-awful season that's just come to an end then for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club? Um, we'll start with our, our summer business. I know we've spoken about the transfers at length over the course of the season, but just to kind of keep it all in one nicely rounded little ball, um, we'll start with Polinio. £17 million. Was he a good buy, Rob? Um, sometimes. Most of the time, no, but he did occasionally do what he was there for. The thing was, he was struggling for motivation, it seemed. Um, I felt under AVB, he was one of the better players, and then under Sherwood, he kind of lost interest, didn't he? A display away to West Ham a few weeks ago was laughable, really. I don't don't think you can say that was the showing of a £17 million player. And to hear that he's been linked with a move to Chelsea and that Spurs might make a profit within him within one year, it's hard to know where that's come from based on the performances he's given so far. If, if There's quite a lot of Spurs fans out there, I'd imagine, who, if Chelsea put 30 million quid on the table and said, there you go, any, anyone would take it and run. I think what there's always that think? fear, though, selling him to someone like Chelsea that he might then suddenly kick on and become that yeah, player. Yeah, explode. That, yeah, exactly, that we, were, that we were promised by Jack Lang. What was it he said? Yeah. He said, Raj, that he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the world this season. Here Apparently so. What, what did you make of him, Baines? Um, he, he played well in fits and starts. Um, I think, unfortunately for him, his best performance for us um, was at home against West Brom. Um, he, no, he's Stoke at home, where he played very well. He started to actually look like he was feeling within the pace of the league. And, and then Charlie Adam happened. Exactly, yeah. He knew he knew his role within the side and what have you, and then, uh, then Charlie Adam decided to uh, be Charlie Adam and injure him, because as he routinely does, he picked on our best player on the day and uh, put two feet in on him so I think that that's unfortunate I don't think any of our signings have had a well, well, don't, don't, don't get injury free signing you know. I'm not I'm not I'm just, saying, um, I'm just saying all of them have, have all had their injuries this season which yeah, which is pretty shit really I mean, there was a is it, what's that um, website called the injury room or whatever it's called something imaginative physio, physio room that's the one um, they said uh, we've got 45 main First team injuries this season, which is more than any other side had suffered, which um, pretty much sums up our luck this year. I think one one thing that is kind of overlooked with Polinio, um, and it was overlooked by me through a large course of the season because I've been particularly critical of him, is the fact he has just come off the back of playing a whole Brazilian season and come straight into you know the English season, as Sandro did, who had a similarly poor first year with us. Um, and a Confederations Cup as well. Yeah, exactly that. Um, 
So, you know, the, there's there's definitely talent there in the lad. You can see it. I think my, my main gripe with him has been his, I would say, perceived at least attitude problems. Um, it, I, I don't know. I think there's been a few times when he's given the ball away and he hasn't really tracked back or made any kind of effort to actually win the ball back. Kind of seems to be one of those shrugs his shoulders type players, which doesn't seem to really go in, in, in tandem with this idea that he's like this real combative box-to-box energetic dynamo of a footballer but you know remains to be seen there's there's still time but would you sell him this summer Raj if the right no, money came um, no I wouldn't sell any of our purchases last summer this year at all I, I think that's a, a blanket statement for all of them that's my position on them all I, no, I think they all deserve I'm, I'm trying to keep this all like compartmentalised yeah like stop stop we stop, will, stop chucking just, blankets over everything you know to stop um, to stop myself repeating myself seven times I was just going to say that I, I wouldn't sell any of them that's, what, that's my position on it I think to allow a player just one season to prove himself at a club when they've come from a, a different country um, in different circumstances everyone else has into such a fragmented state as we were at the start of the season to only allow them one season would be um, would be pretty unfair I mean they could have perhaps showed themselves slightly more glory than they have done but um, I don't think there's any reason to be giving, on, giving up on any of them uh, a second year a full pre-season um, they, all, they all should um, hopefully um, give a better fist of it next year Right, well, moving on to NASA Chadley, £7 million from SC20, according to Wikipedia, but I, I thought it was close to about four and a half, five million. but maybe there's add-ons and things like that. But anyway, NASA Chadley, so uh, a, a pretty average player in, no, he's definitely in the Eredivisie. Sorry? Hello? Raj? He's gone, hasn't he? Raj has left the building. There we go. He's gone already. I didn't say anything. Um, yeah. Can I hear you? Okay. Can I hear you? This is a great start. Um, so, Nasser Chadley uh, had a you know pretty average career in the Eredivisie so far and seems pretty average in general. Like, he's not a not a world-beater, but he's not exactly shit, as some people would say is, um, in my opinion, at least. What have you, what have you made of him so far, Baines? Um, perfectly serviceable Premier League winger for me. Um, he's, he's no better than I expected him to be for the money we paid. I think he does a role. I think he's been played in several positions, um, which isn't easy for him to have to adapt to. I personally prefer him cutting in from the left to playing through the middle, um, which I don't think is the consensus um, because I think some of his more eye-catching performances have come through this centre when Christian Eriksen been played out on the left. But I, I think uh, it, given the right system, um, it, playing inside forwards or inverted wingers, he's, he's much better there. Um, the questions over his defensive capabilities tracking back, but again, he's he's had injuries. Um, probably out of all of them, his, his start to, um, to life at the club was most disruptive. So um, I, I quite like him. He's done well. He scored quite a few goals. I think he's... he's scored one less goal than Polinho this year, which is quite good. He scored those two in Benfica, so um, I, I quite enjoyed him, I think. Absolutely belter against Newcastle as well. Yeah, right behind the goal for that one. That was fantastic. He really hit that well, right in the top corner as well. Cruel didn't have a, probably, a chance. 
struggling to think of another a better goal scores by, uh, scored by a Spurs player this season. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Uh, yeah, Sigurdsson against Hull was uh, unbelievable. Um, it's a League Cup game, so you might have missed it, but um, he's back to goal. And the ball ball's been passed to him fairly quickly, but it's been passed to his to his right. So if he was to stand still, the ball would miss him on his right hand side. But he stuck out his left foot, and he's just kind of he's dragged it in in like a Zidane flick yeah. fashion, and um, gone past the player. Um, once the ball's gone one side, play he's gone the other, dragged it away from him, and then um, just rocketed it in from twenty thirty full yards out. It was like the corner. the Burkamp turn against Newcastle, but then. Followed by a like a twenty five thirty yard drive, wasn't it? Oh yeah, nice. I'll have to check this one out. Yeah, it was pretty yes. exceptional. But uh, we're not, not yeah, we're not here to talk about. My my one thing I'd say about Chadley is for a player who looks very athletic, he's not he's not the paciest. He's he's not particularly paced, especially for a winger. He might be a bit top heavy because he's a he's a very uh, built gentleman. He's stacked, isn't he? Yeah, as, as we've all seen from his underwear pictures. Blush. I don't know about all there. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not got it as your phone background? Is, it, is that just me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's just you. I'm afraid. Maybe Mrs. Chadley. No, you've missed out. Mr. Chadley's definitely the eye candy for for me. He's. I mean, have you seen him? You could eat dinner off his abs. They're absolutely ripped. It's a proper, proper washboard. Proper washboard. It is. What do you make of him, Rob? Do you think he's think he's any good? I'd or? agree with what's been said so far. He's he's done the job that he was paid for. I mean. He's obviously been bought as one of those sort of fills four positions in one guy, and he's the guy you can put on the bench and know that you can bring him off for the bench to come on and play in any number of roles, depending on who's having a bad game, who's gone off injured, uh, who's who's missing at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit unfortunate from Spurs' point of view that he's featured so much this season because he is the guy that you'd want to be back up. Um, but yeah, he's done the job that you'd expect him to do. He's, I thought he got better as the season went on, and I thought... Sherwood playing him through the middle was bloody weird. I don't know where that came from in the the two with... Was it Paulinho that you played alongside in the two towards the end of the season for so long? Yeah. That, that was that was a weird selection when you consider the, the wealth of central midfielders that Spurs have. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have a better season now that he's settled. I think that... Uh, uh, to go into the bracket along with Rajiv saying that all of them... Uh, we'll have a better season than they did this time around, provided that there's some stability. Um, I expect he'll feature a bit less let's see, next season, but probably do more when he's given the chance. There we go. Nicer Chadley. Um, now, this this is a, this is an interesting one. The next signing up was Mr. Roberto Soldado, £26 million. Um, where to begin? Is it, Has his season been a failure, Raji Baines? No, not for me, no. Um, I, as I said before, he could have done better, but to expect any of the signings to have come in and performed fantastically from the get-go is um, is the most ideal situation, and for the most ideal situation to play out at Tottenham Hotspur uh, rarely ever happens. So um, his year's been, been start and stop, really, uh, as we've touched on before. He's had, coinciding with the, the time he was, taken out of the team due to his form. Uh, he had issues at home with his uh, wife, unfortunately, having a miscarriage after he'd publicly announced the, the pregnancy and what have you, which you just can't... Uh, I've never, it's something I've never experienced, so that's not a mind 
frame I can I can try and ape in any manner. So I, I don't I don't know if I'd be able to carry on my professional life in the, in the same capacity as 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 I did previously. If something like that had happened in my private life, so that's got to have taken a toll on him because these are normal men and women. At the end of the day, they may be paid ludicrous amounts, but they're they're made of the same stuff you and I are at the end of the day. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't want to second guess him there. So after that, his season kind of did tail off. He had that fantastic moment where he got to score the only goal against Cardiff, where he looked really good. Um, he had just started the season fairly well, because I think it was Dinamo Tbilisi away where we took pretty much a full-strength squad in the Europa League, and he scored a, a good couple of, as you'd want, in-the-box poachers goals as what we'd been advertised. But Dinamo Tbilisi were a, a pub team, I mean, Andros Townsend scored against them, so that pretty much shows you their level. Um, that was at the t- <laughs> that, was, that was at the time that Andros Townsend was Christ reborn in the eyes of the England um, team as well. So uh, shows you kind of where we were at at that stage. So um, for me, he, I hope he stays another year. He's he's always given his passion. I think he's racked up about eight red cards, so he's probably had more cards than he has goals this year, which just shows you how how, how involved he gets, how stuck in. He, he's not shy. It's not like he, he ever disappears on the field. He still wants to get involved. He still tries his hardest. I think that's his redeeming quality. Um, I think mentality-wise, he, he might just be the polar opposite to Adibayor, whereas Adibayor seems to shirk away if it's not going in his way. Or even if it is, if he feels like he's doing too well, he'll give himself 10 minutes to wander around rather than get put in an extra yard in. Whereas I don't think I've ever seen Soldado not try his hardest. He's, he's fantastic, really. I mean, there was um, some movement he, he did um, for one of the goals against Chelsea, I remember, where Sigurdsson scored, where he, he kind of played with his back to goal and did that really well. So I'm, I'm hoping to see more of him, should he, should he be given time to be coached properly next I think, year. I, I'll jump in now. I think there's, there's been quite a few games where he hasn't given his all, mate. I think there's, there's you know, there's, there's been quite a few games and he's he's maybe dropped back and done some decent work in the build-up to goal, but hasn't really had that urgency to then get forwards into a decent goal-scoring position. I mean, I do understand the argument that he hasn't, that we perhaps haven't played to his strengths, but at the same time, you know, you you think for 20, you do think for £26 million, I hate to apply that kind of logic, the spurious, he costs this much, so he should be doing this. But still, a top-class striker, as he was billed for what is a lot of money, should be kind of still adapting probably a bit quicker than he has. So you know, take the personal life things aside and, you know, before that point, I'm saying, because he did have a pretty indifferent start to the season. And I think there have been certain occasions, certain games where he hasn't looked like he's he's really fully up for it. I don't know. What about, what about you, Rob? What, what, what have you made of him? Do you think there's an argument that we haven't played to his strengths? There it certainly is. Um, around Valencia, at least, there was a lot of movement around him. It was always bodies flying past or um, getting into the byline and cutting things back as he was arriving. Um, and under AVB, at least, Spurs seemed very happy to just pin the opposition back and then play in front of them. And that was never going to get 20 goals a season out of Soldado. There was no bursts from midfield. Aaron Lennon was doing his best to get down at the byline and pinging crosses, but they were all sort of very much the English-style winger get to the byline and put it on someone's head. And Soldado, you know, it's a bit basic for Soldado. He's 
wouldn't say he's better than that, but he's used to a different style of play. He wants more varied movement from his uh, support men, and he wants different balls at different heights to finish um, in the way that he's been instinctively taught to. But um, on the show, but he was a bit... By the end, he was frozen out. I think that was unfortunate because that that was the sort of football that you know he'd get goals in. But obviously, it seemed like EVP had been fired just for not playing Adebayor. Well, say not just that, but one of the things that got him fired was not playing Adebayor. And I think Sherwood decided that if there was going to be one striker, and it was going to be Adebayor. And by the end, he wanted to give Harry Kane to go to blood the youth. So that was Soldado pretty much frozen out. Um, I think it would be. Better next season under Pochettino, who's almost certain to keep him in as the number one striker and play to his strengths and get the sort of system that we saw at Valencia uh, around him. And I think he'll come good. I think we're going to see, well, I don't want to put, uh, put a number on it or uh, build him up too much, but I reckon he's going to look a, lot, a much more settled um, player and we'll probably see something like the sort of return you'd expect for a £26 million player. I mean, one of the kind of comparisons that was drawn a lot um, before we signed him was his performance alongside, well, not alongside, but in comparison to Alvaro Negredo um, and their time in Spain, because we've been linked to Negredo quite a lot. Um, And Negredo seemed to really take to the premiership for the first few months. And then his form just dramatically tailed off by the end of the season. Um, Yeah. Can you see any particular reason... For that at all, just to to toss that uh, in. Why Negredo fell apart, you mean? Or why, yeah, yeah, why, why exactly. If there's, the any, if there's any, yeah, the whole thing essentially, why he... Uh, well, he... I, think he, I think he hit the ground running because uh, he had a manager who played a system that was much more suited to his style. I mean, Man City basically threw the kitchen sink at everybody as quickly as they could, whereas uh, Soldado found himself in a very tentative uh, system which... Well, it produced a lot of shots uh, under EVB. Spurs dominated statistically like nobody else. They always produced the most amount of shots and always had the fewest shots conceded. But they were always sort of pot shots. There was nothing that Soldado could claim as a clear opportunity unless it was a penalty, obviously. Um, whereas Negredo had David Silva, Jesus Navas, uh, Sergio Aguero all around him, all playing the sort of football which gets the best out of... Um, Spanish number nines and I don't know I think Negredo had some injury problems himself towards the end and he might have fallen apart that way um, I think Aguero getting out and Jekko coming in helped uh, torpedo his season as well because Jekko is a much less mobile uh, less creative player so uh, probably took up similar positions to Negredo as well and when Jekko did that and started putting the balls away there was only one of them that was going to stay on the pitch whereas Negredo was you know, finding his space taken and missing the few chances that came his way. I think that was probably what did for him. Um, an injury to himself and then a switch and strike partner. I don't think um, Negredo would have done any differently to Soldado if Spurs had spent the money on him instead. I think the problems that were uh, hampering Soldado were systemic and no matter who AVB had played up front, they wouldn't have got any more goals than Soldado did. There you go. Um, just a, a, a ridiculous, pointless tabloid-type question for you, Baines. But if you, uh, you know, if you had the gift of foresight and you could see how the season was going to pan out, 
would you still have bought Roberto Soldado for Tottenham? Oh, uh, um, no idea. Uh, we had no better options at the time. Um, so, I mean, doubting it's a, it's a ludicrous question. Really, I know it's a no ludicrous idea. question, but I'm just trying to be... Because if I, if, I choose not, if I choose not to buy him, where do I go instead? What do we do instead? We're left with Andy Bayor, who's been frozen out of the squad, and he's he's on. I think he was on compassionate leave at the start of the year because his, yeah, his brother had passed away. Yeah. So we, we'd no idea with him. Uh, Jermaine Defoe was there, and yeah, he's you know, there. He, yeah. So, so we've got Jermaine Defoe and Harry Kane essentially. So of course I'd have bought him. I'd have. I'd have had to have gripped my teeth and knew that he'd. Um, if I had the foresight of the season, I know he was going to win me the first few games with a, a couple of well placed penalties. So I'd, um, I'd have to take my luck on him with the first year and and see where he did in the second. Really, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's something ridiculous as well, isn't it? He's he scored, I think, our most winning goals this season or something. So there you go. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think that's something to yeah, whatever. I'm not. I'm not sure to. when the dates of these transfers were, but I think I suppose. Would have been a lot better off spending the money on Wilfred Bonning. I mean, not all of it, obviously. There's no point in spending 26 million on him, but the, the 12 or 13 million that Swansea would have paid, I think you'd have got just as much, if not more, and probably some resale value as well. But um, I think Soldado will come good next season, and you'll, you'll see the money, the value with him then. Yeah, I mean, as well, he'd, he'd had a monstrous season the year before in. in uh... In La Liga, people do overlook That's that. That's true. So it's you know we'll we'll see. There's a player in there. There is a player. We saw it. That finish against Villa as well. Um, at the end of that move, the exquisite finish from him. He's got he's got ability. He has ability. Um, Etienne Capoue. It's a pretty hard one to talk about. Really, he's missed most of the season. He looked really really promising. The first few games he played, he looked like an absolute monster. Um, but then went off. I think it was what the third or fourth game of the season against Arsenal and just never really returned. Um, it's a bit, I think one thing that worries me is the potential attitude problems there. He seemed to kind of fall out of favour with people behind the scenes at Spurs. Um, whether that was just Sherwood being Sherwood um, or not remains to be seen. But it, 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 there was quite a bit of like talking to the press and that kind of thing that that seemed to uh, cloud him a bit. Um, I mean, can you see him playing much of a part for us? Because I, th- I think out of the players we've we have signed this year, if we are going to sell any on, he's he's probably one of the most likely to go. Wouldn't you agree? Anyone? Yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I think he was one of the cheapest apart from Chadley last year. I don't know whether that's he was yeah nine right. million. yeah nine million yeah. yeah. I think they can probably get that back from any number of suitors. I mean, there's no doubt there's a player in there, but uh, I, I'd agree with Jack. There's just too much. If you look at the team that's going to be, well, the first 11 and then maybe a couple behind, you could fill in as backup in any number of positions, but you wouldn't really say he's going to get much of a go. And if any was going to go, it'd probably be him. I think the potential attitude problems in talking to the press, um, it's probably something in there that's to do with Spurs buying the sort of young promising player that is captaincy material at their old club I mean we've seen this with Hugo Lloris when he came from Lyon as well um, having a nice little moan to the media when he didn't get straight into the team when AVB was just trying to give him a chance to settle in London before going into the match 
in that matches. Um, Kapu was doing really well at Toulouse and was touted as future captain material both for them and I think I think I read in some places for the France national team. So he's kind of a, seeing himself as a big name, uh, a guy with the big future. And then he comes to Spurs, doesn't get his own way, sits on the bench a bit, and it's only natural then that he's going to mouth off to the French media when they put a microphone in front of him. True, and, um, then, and then has an unqualified chimp telling him that he's not good enough as well. So yeah, I can imagine that's not the best thing. To yes, indeed. Um, I can't believe though, Raj, that in our in our mire of Kapoo jokes, we actually missed the fact that he he was signed from Toulouse as well. But there you go. No, we were we were sidetracked. But um, as Rob said, he started the um season was one of our best signings to be honest. Yeah. Uh, until he got injured against Arsenal, he was fantastic in that game, in my opinion. Um, he played the role really well. Um, in Sandro's absence, and I think Sandro's absence is the reason he was bought because Sandro is is injury prone now. He, he, there's no way of denying it. The way he throws himself about, he's bound to get an injury in 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 the season. And unluckily for him, in the past few seasons have been fairly bad ones. Um, so I'd I'd want to keep him at the club purely to to rotate him um, almost game by game if possible with Sandro, just to try and keep the two of them fit. Um, because if the the two with the size the blokes and that if they don't play a game regularly they start to get they don't have the match fitness they don't look as sharp which needs to be taken into account so if if I was able to keep them both and rotate them both as the as the sole defensive midfielder and the, the one that their role and their task and they understood it was to break down the play I'd be playing them well, as I say, week in, week out, one after the other, because he, he started the season fantastically. He got injured in that Arsenal game, and then I think on his way back, um, he wasn't even fit again by the time AVB was was gone. I think he played a couple of games at centre back in the middle of being injured again, where he actually handled himself fairly well, to be honest. Aside I mean, from the Liverpool game, <laughs> well, that Liverpool game, he was next to Zeki Fries, I think. Yeah, um, and then he had. What, what Kyle Norton playing and then somebody else at left back who wasn't supposed to be there it was it was an absolute mess um which which wasn't nice for him i don't when you when you're a, a part time center back and you get put into a, a third rate injured defense you're not going to don't think don't think it was quite that good was it i know it was it was shocking really so i, I think that it's not really his fault to be honest um, but as I say, I, and then I think um, when Sherwood came in, I think he was the the major casualty in the uh, in the Bentelab experiment. Um, I think Sandro was probably more vocal in not being as happy with it, but um, he was he was the one that missed out the most. He got the odd game here and there. He actually started and played really well in that Newcastle game. But as I say, Newcastle didn't really as much. They were they were one of the worst teams we played all year. So, um, I mean, I'd keep him, as I say, with the rest of them. I think he's still got a role to play. Uh, as far as his attitude goes, he's French, so <laughs> what else do you expect? <laughs> it's interesting the point you make about him being a Sandro replacement, though, because as much as we all knew it was a really bad injury Sandro had received, it only really seemed to come to light after he'd recovered that the injury was so bad it was potentially career-ending. Um, I, I don't know how much of that was really talked up by Sandro or not to kind of you know, aid in his recovery narrative, but it it, it was a pretty bad one. Um, I don't think it was actually talked up by him much because there was there was that period when he came back where he, he'd start a game and five minutes later he'd be throwing up on the side of the pitch and yeah. he'd, he'd have to be taken off sixty minutes in because he just didn't have the neither the fitness nor the knee to be 
be able to cope with full 90 minutes. So I don't think it was hammed up at all. I do think it was a, a really bad injury, and I think it's lucky that he's all right after it. So I'd, um, uh, the fact that we kept him under such obvious cotton wool for such a long period shows just how uh, injured he was. Even towards the end of the year, he wasn't playing too much. Um, whether that was uh, Sherwood's doing or whether that was, you know, the... Uh, the doctors saying that he, he shouldn't be playing too much is a is another thing, but um, he he's had his injury, he's had his season disrupted by injury. It's funny you have to feel for Sandro in a way because it, it, just before that big injury, he was just starting to be stiffed around. But I think like Real Madrid had, you know, people had started to tentatively link him to a potential move there. I think Inter, AC, a couple of other clubs, so kind of Champions League sized clubs were around him, but I don't think he's ever probably going to hit the heights he could have done now after that injury, which is pretty unfortunate for the guy. He's still a great player, but... No, I think um, I think the one I'm worried about this season with him is, um, I think Inter Milan are starting to throw a bit of money about this season with the new ownership and wanting to do better on the better in the league than they did last season. And the other one is um, Juventus with, um, with both Vidal and Pogba, apparently both being monitored by other clubs. Uh, Pogba, especially by Barcelona, is quite a strong link now. Um, whether or not that they manage to pull that off is, a, is another point because it'll be costing them a lot of money and they're, they're in enough debt as it is. But if Juventus start looking around for a, uh, a defensive midfielder, then I don't think they're going to they're gonna be able to buy much better than him at this moment in time. And he, with the amount of energy he's got, he will literally enjoy himself no end in Serie A and... Uh, He'll, he'll, he'll be able to put in a shift in week in, week out there. Dare I say it, I, I'm a big fan of Sandro, but dare I say it, if the money was right, might be tempted to take it. Not for me, no. I think he's he's I, I, he'd be one of the ones that I'd want to keep the most, to be honest. He's, he's part of the spine of my side for next season. Uh, between him, Loris, Walker, uh, Ericsson, th- these are the ones for me that are untouchable as far as I'm concerned. They're the ones that uh, money couldn't buy as far as I'm concerned. Because who, who do you replace Sandro with? Um, <laughs> uh, but then we, we've got to purchase somebody to be a backup to him as well. And Morgan Schneiderlin, maybe. Don't know. There you go. Uh, 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 hey, there you go. That's it. The answer to our prayers. No, um, I'm extremely <laughs> uncomfortable with the way that's concluded. So I'd, I'd want to keep. <laughs> I'd want to keep him um, as much as possible. To be honest, I'd, he'd be one of the, the uh, in that first band in midfield. He'd be the first name on my team sheet as as much as possible. And then, as I say, rotating with Capoue. All right. I don't well, know, I think, oh, go on. Then. Sorry, go. I can just put my my tuppence in. I'd probably agree with Jack. If the money's right, I'd probably ship him out just because. I mean, on his day and at peak fitness, he's one of Spurs' best players. At that day. He just doesn't come around as often as it should. And if you've got someone like Schneiderlin who's available, and you can probably make a profit on selling Sandra and buying Schneiderlin, you'd have to think about it. I think. I think this, my my worry is with Sandro that he's been linked with these big clubs, and he's had that carrot dangled in front of him where he was thinking about moving to Madrid and thinking about moving to Inter and things like that. That sort of thing is not going to go away from a player's mind once it's there. I think if he has. A good season and stays fit for the whole thing, and then Spurs are going to find themselves with a transfer request on the table this time next year, and they're going to be having to sell him. So, I don't think it's, um, so I don't think it's inconceivable to think about cashing in while he's there, especially if someone like Inter Milan who are looking to throw stupid money around. If they come in and say, I don't know, I probably wouldn't say twenty-five million. I'd have to 
probably say yeah. Probably let him go. In terms of Inter's money, is it a, a PSG type, PSG Chelsea City type deal, or it's not quite like that? But it is, you know, it's not far off. It's more uh, Liverpool, that sort okay. of. They're from the Far East, aren't they? The new owners, so I don't think they're quite oil money, but they've uh, certainly got it floating about. Yeah. But it's yeah. still dirty money, whatever way. Yes, indeed. Um, right, so that that's just to, as a disclaimer. That's not to say that money from certain parts of the world is dirty or not. Just yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Vlad Kirikesh, Kirikesh. Yeah, am I am I am I a Brit abroad by saying that Kirikesh? No, Kirikesh is. Kirikesh. I believe is. Yeah, I believe it's Kirikesh. Again, another player. It's, it's hard to have a, a really firm opinion of, but. He's he's looked promising, I think, to, especially for a defender to come to a completely new year, new league and a young defender at that, um, and into a system like Spurs is where everyone's been injured or just totally not up for it at all. Yeah, I mean those first few games we played where he he went on those kind of big bounding runs up the field and you, you kind of thought I quite like this. It's a bit mental. It's a bit Titus Bramble, but you know. <laughs> Perhaps rein it in a bit, and it, it seems as though probably either he triggered himself that actually you know the Premier League is number one full of very athletic footballers, and given like the kind of high pressing style, can't really get away with running into the opposition box now. Um, and he seemed to rein that in pretty quickly. So it, it looks like he's a player that is adapting and learning as he goes along. Um, he was at fault a bit. Towards the end of the year, made a few mistakes when he was when he was playing, but again he he was injured for large parts of the season, um, and he 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 likes a he likes a drink or two as as a certain video showed. Um, <laughs> so I'm 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 pretty happy with Vlad. I'd, I'd keep him in there. He's a good option to have. I don't think he's ever going to be a world beater. Appalling in the air though, which isn't great for a centre back. Um, so that's definitely something to work on. But uh, what what do you boys make of him? I'd probably say you've hit the nail on the head. He's um It's not it's not often that one's levelled at me, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he came in and had a, a bit of a I think it was yeah, feeling his way through it a bit, but he's he's kind of realised what what he can and can't do and he's I think what's gonna be key to getting the best out of him is having a stable back four with the right people around him. And I think if he's playing regularly with Jan Vertongan next season and Jan Vertongan actually gives a shit, then uh <laughs> The only way is up for him. I think Vlad will be, yeah, as long as Vertonghen's alongside him and as long as he cares, then, yeah, I think he'll be fine next year. We'll only see him get better. Do you like him, Raj? Yeah, actually, I I really like him. He's got a a little bit of um, maverickness about the way he plays, uh, which I really enjoy. He's he's incredibly good on the ball for a centre-back. You can tell with the way he wants to pass it about and stuff. I mean, when you see Michael Dawson do that long diagonal ball and end up in the, you know, Rose Z in the other end of the park when he tries it nine out of ten times. When when Kirikesh wants to play a pass, he plays it to feet, he plays it well. And he's he's one of those players that could probably be played as a defensive midfielder if he wanted to. And uh, I believe he's, he can operate as a left-back in a similar manner that uh, Jan Vertonghen can if you, you force him to. Um, when he signed, I think he actually signed injured. And I think we were actually fairly lucky to sign him because the, the Bucharest, um, the owner, uh, Gigi Bucali, of racist sexist infamy uh, was in jail and I don't think um, had he not been and was able to run the club 
as he often tries to from his jail cell. I don't think he would have let him go, um, but we, we kind of pounced at the right time and managed to get him. Didn't he, didn't he veto it once from his jail cell? Yeah, I think he said he was going to come and get Daniel Levy or something crazy, yeah, didn't he? he? Yeah, yeah, he refused to let it happen. And then <laughs> What and he then actually did was he, um, he stole the phone rights of another inmate because he'd seen it on the news that Kirikesh was going to go, so he, he stole the phone rights of another of another uh, inmate and uh, made the call to the club not to let him go, <laughs> which is why, why why that transfer was so prolonged. I mean, I think Gigi Bacali is actually probably the more crackpot manager, uh, not manager, sorry, uh, owner than, than Daniel Levy ever could be in terms of hiring and firing the way he conducts himself. I mean, if you, if you just Google Gigi Bacali quotes and, and have a look at some of the things he's said and done, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious, but it is morally apprehensible and appalling at the same he, time. He's, Gigi Bacali's probably one of those characters that you could do there. Was this a Gigi Bacali quote or a UKIP MEP quote? He's, uh, it, it, genuinely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'm, I might have a Google for him later and just try and drop him in. But um, as I say, he's, he's got that bit about him. He got injured, uh, I think, just as he was trying to settle as well. I mean, I think he had that absurd record where I think the first four, three or four games he played, we didn't concede, and um, he was playing really well. He's got that screamer away at Fulham as well, which shows he can hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then injury came at the wrong time, and he, he did struggle towards the end of the. Yeah, I think we we played him more out of necessity than him being entirely fit, um, which isn't the best. But um, and then he, he broke his nose as well during one game, and we just had to play him. I mean, usually when a player does that to themselves, in this day and age, they take him off just with a precaution, because with you know heading the ball and whatnot, they're going to make themselves dizzy and hurt themselves. But we just didn't have the centre backs at one stage to to be able to afford to do that with him. So I think he's fallen foul of that somewhat. So um, here's another one there's, again. There's, there's something about Eastern European players with those face masks, isn't there? Like I think Vidic had one on, and obviously Mihailovic was like the the famous face mask wearer. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep going all Nigel Farage tonight. To be honest. Sorry about them Eastern European players. Where's those masks? You, you won't want the Romanians moving in next door, would you, Jack? Well, I, I'm I'm not particularly happy having Vlad on our team on that basis. <laughs> so, you know, there we go. Those I, Romanians I, coming over here stealing our centre-backs. Yeah, with their average aerial ability. Um, I think you've been a bit harsh on him in the air. I think he's had one or two bad performances where he, he may have been beaten in the air, but I don't think he's, he's that. Oh, he's, no, no, he's, not... he's, he's, he's truly woeful in the air. Have a look at his aerial kind of stats. He's, he's appalling. <laughs> yeah, his aerial stats. Yeah, those ones. Um, but they are, yeah, they are poor. But I, no, as I say, he's, he's one of the ones I'm actually... I'm looking forward to seeing the most of next season. He'd, he'd be in my starting eleven just because, as I say, he's got that little bit of, uh, dare I say, David Louise-ness about him, um, which isn't always the best thing, but apparently it's yeah. it's worth £50 million if you've got the oil money to spend. There you go. Fuck financial fair play. Now, um... It was literally getting their willy out and waving it in the face of yeah. UEFA when they bought him. I know, Justin. It's like, Sep, Sep, mate, Michelle... No, Sep's FIFA. I don't care. It's all the same. They're all cunts. Um, Christian Eriksen. What a what a player. What a footballer. Yeah. Um, he's he he excites me greatly. He's he's as I've said many a time. He's he's our next player. Tottenham always have a, a player, and uh, I think Christian Eriksen is it. He's he's magnificent. I love him. 
can't really say much more. I just, it's just, I don't know. He's he's just one of those players. It seems that he, when he receives the ball, he already knows what he's going to do. Like one of one of my big criticisms of Musa Dembele is like he's. I think he's such a talented footballer, but he never seems to have an idea of what he actually wants to do with the ball. Like he he he's so good at covering. He's so good at kind of getting stuck in, retaining possession. But he just cannot play the ball forwards quickly. And he never seems to be able to spot a pass. He never seems to be able to spot a runner. And it really it stunts him as a footballer. But he has so much ability. Whereas with Christian Eriksen, it just, he just seems to have that, that, that almost like footballing telepathy. Whereby he receives the ball and can just ping it or take a man on. or I, I don't know. I just think he's exquisite. From dead balls, his passing, everything. He's a great footballer, and for eleven million pounds, you know, yeah, that was an absolute bargain. Like that, that was, I think, that was the sh- shock to many, really, wasn't it? When, when everyone knew that, that's all right. Eriksen's been tracked by just about every every club in Europe, and the only real criticism that anyone's had is that he's slight. And when Spurs pick him up, and everyone's like, right, fine, someone's finally bought the guy. But when it was like eleven million quid, it was like, well, okay, if, if it's eleven million quid, why isn't why aren't Man United there? Why aren't Barcelona there? Why aren't the rest of the guys, Liverpool, the, the, the teams you'd expect to be ch- chucking huge money around and taking him for 20? I mean, there was that thing where he was uh, winding his contract down. It's just obvious to anyone who watches him that he's just such a class act. I mean, you don't get to be Ajax's best player. I mean, it's the area of Izzy, but they're still Ajax. They're still like the best finishing scorer in the world for a young player. And if you want to come out of that and be the, be the best people of that school in many a year, then 11 million quid is an absolute bargain. Spurs have got one to keep there. Chinky's uh, possibly one that makes the signing or potential signing of Adam Lalana seem a bit pointless, Raj. Uh, for me, yeah, I don't, I don't see a place in the side for Lalana bar in the same area that Chadley would possibly play down the left channel. I don't think Lallana would want to move anywhere where he's not going to be the number 10. Um, I think it would be somewhat of a, a trade-in for him if he was to be shoved on a side um, rather than be the focal part of the side. I mean, we did that to an extent with, with Ericsson this season. and um, I mean, I, I, I think I tweeted every week a different joke about a right-wing politician being uncomfortable on the left wing um, <laughs> with... With how he played down, I mean, as an example, what did I say? Um, uh, um, Christian Eriksen looks about as comfortable on the left wing as Mussolini would, I think, is one of them. Um, and uh, that was the way it was. I mean, all of his, he, he had fantastic performances from that position. But if you actually watch the footage of where what he'd done, his, his best players actually come from him drifting into the centre. And he so desperately wants to be that central figure and that number 10 that um, it just seems a waste of, of talent to be playing him elsewhere. There was that, I think it was March or April, he was getting an assist a week quite easily. But they were all free kicks or basically dead balls where he just got the ball out, outside, stopped the play and then whipped across him for somebody. Because it was, I mean, it was so, it's effortless for someone of his quality. It's just, he's just not a left winger. You, you just want him through the middle. You want him pulling the strings. It's quite similar to when Luka Modric arrived and Harry Redknapp decided he was too small to play in the middle. Suck him out on the left. I think when Eriksson, I think Pochettino will bring him inside. There's just no way he's going to carry on playing out on the left or the right. And then when he comes inside it to play as the number 10 or to play him 
be for a midfield area. He's going to be uh, um, you know, a standout player by a million miles. Do you think there's a, a threat, Rob, um, for Ericsson under Pochettino that he may become a slight Gaston, Marie, Gaston Ramirez slight figure in that uh, his work rate, yeah, his, yeah, yeah. His, his defensiveness and his his pressing isn't uh, perhaps. I mean, you you can't doubt either of their quality going forward, either Ramirez or Ericsson, but he he will prefer a player who will be able to do both facets of the game. Um, so that's my one consideration for next season. If he's able to, in a similar way to if you look at how Mourinho treat uh, Matter this season, yeah, Matter, yeah, yeah, and that he he didn't do the defensive aspect as as hard as uh, Mourinho wanted him to. So he um he essentially sacrificed him for the the type of football he wanted to play, and we could come to a similar inconceivable juncture where that again happens, where he 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 um he trades in class and uh, forward going ability for you know an entire 11 that is willing to, to press in his manner well I think it's a worthy comparison and I think it is right to flag up his sort of problem in a pressing style because it was the reason that he wasn't signed by anybody else for so long before Spurs got him um, but I think Mourinho could afford to freeze uh, Matter out because he had Oscar, Willian, Hazard all these great players um, Spurs don't really have anybody else in Ericsson's class who does the same job but runs around a bit I mean if they spend all this money on Lalana, then they will have that player but I don't see them spending all this money on Lalana, selling Ericsson to someone else and coming out of it looking at anything other than stupid it's just going to be a disaster I think uh, Lalana's well he's he's had a couple of good seasons but for the for the money at Southampton because I mean Southampton are easily going to demand upwards of 25 million for him yeah yeah and he's just he for me the, there's areas of the the pitch at Tottenham need to address so yeah, much exactly, more drastically. Exactly. I mean, you look at the if Adebayor goes, you want a striker. I mean, first of all, you want a left back more than anything else. Yeah. Maybe Two left cover backs. at right back. Maybe yeah, maybe cover at right back for Walker if he goes down injured again. Um, yep. So many areas that need addressing before you go buying Adam Lallana for twenty five million quid. It's just 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 let Liverpool have him. Let them. Let them make that mistake like they did with Carroll and all the rest of them. Just downing. Just just don't bother. Let Liverpool have a free run. Let... I'm happy to see Liverpool and fuck up another transfer, to be honest. Um, I think yep. he just... I, I don't think he, he'll... He'll never be un... Like, he'll, I don't think he'll be an, a spectacular failure. Got it out in the end. Um, Adam Lallana. But it just strikes me as he'll... He, he, he'd end up being like a, a Gareth Barry type signing. Like City got yeah. him and he's never been terrible for City, but he's never set the world alight. It's just kind of always been there. And, you know, people have always said, oh, you know, maybe Gareth Barry's a bit underrated. It's like, no, maybe he's just there and just does yeah. a job and he's all right, you know? And Lallana looks so good because he was so cheap from Bournemouth, aged 17 or whatever it was, and he's come up through the leagues and made his way out to be captain. I mean, when you, I mean, he gets that homegrown tag. I mean, I don't know how, I think Bournemouth could take more credit for his development, but that's what gets him applauded, the fact that he's not a big money signing, that he's a homegrown player. When he becomes a big money signing, the, the, the way in which he's assessed is going to be totally different, and everyone will suddenly start saying, well, actually, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. For a 25 million quid, you want 10 goals and 10 assists at least, and he's not providing that. So I just don't see any any reason for Spurs to be going there. I mean, I totally agree. When he turns up, I mean, if he turns up, he's not going to 
justify that fee in a million years. If we're going to be spending that sort of money on a, uh, a player that's available in the England squad at the moment, the only one that I'd be spending that on is James Milner, to be honest. There you go. You, I know you, you've got your man crush for James Milner, don't you? I mean, I mean he's, he's fantastic. He could, he, know, he could play in every position which we need. You know I'm I mean? a big we, fan of Milner, but I think you have to buy David Silver at the same time to get the best out of him. <laughs> I think he could play at left back, right back. He could play in the middle. Um, <laughs> he, he, he genuinely is one of those players where, if we needed him to play somewhere, he could. Um, the only problem with buying Milner is that he he wants to move essentially to be able to play the same sort of role he did when he was at Villa uh, down the centre. And as we've just lauded over Christian Eriksen for ten minutes, um, I don't want to see him both fighting for the same position. We've got a. Uh, Lewis Holtby that can deputise for him there. So I'd, uh... Milner's surely an Everton player, isn't he? Like he just strikes me as such an Everton signing. They'd do fantastically well to have him. Yeah, they would. I could see them signing him and everyone being like, "Oh, Milner, Milner is actually really, really good." As seems to happen with players that Everton sign. But people just, you know, Everton are just a very pragmatic club. I think you know they they mm. know exactly yeah. what they need a lot of the time, and yeah, you know, they they never really look to be too flashy and. Yada yada yada. Anyway, um, Everton, Everton aren't like Spurs in that they're never going to go threatening. Uh, Chelsea, Man City, whatever, no problem selling to Everton because they know it isn't going to come back to bite them. With Spurs, there's that block, isn't there? Spurs could take the top four spot that they all want. Everton are never going to do that, despite what Roberto Martinez says. Yeah, they're they're falling into the Daniel Levy hype machine. Yeah. Um. Well, as well, if we're talking about a thirty million pound player um, in Adam Lallana that we haven't gotten good value for, we've already got one of those, and that's our last signing of the summer, which was a Mister Eric Lamella. Um, now, there's been a lot of kind of speculation as to what's actually happened with Adam uh, with Adam Lallana with Eric Lamella. Um, all sound a bit foreign, don't they? Um, but uh, so some some people have said he didn't settle. Some people have said he didn't want to be here, and others have simply said. It is as it as you know has been reported. He's injured, and he's been injured for large parts of the season. Hence, he hasn't really played and hasn't really settled into the team. Um, do you? I mean, Rudge, do do you do you think it's kind of a bit of a? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Weird, not jingoistic, but just a bit of a, 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 a kind of pub philosopher's view that Pochettino's from Argentina... Lamella's from Argentina, thus suddenly Lamella's going to become really good because he's got an Argentinian manager. Do you think there is any kind of sound reasoning behind that? 
Um, on a very, very basic level, perhaps. I don't think there was ever a, a language barrier there with AVB because he could speak the language with him um, while he struggles to, to learn English. Um, I think he's actually going to be continuing to do that across the summer, uh, one would hope, um, so that he comes back uh, next year with the ability to speak English. I mean, if he wants to be shown how, how one can come to this country with limited uh, grasp of the language but still manage to to perform Pochettino is perhaps the perfect example um, I mean I imagine he might be um, might be speaking English more at the club than he did at Southampton but uh, there is that there is that easy get out card of wanting to presume he's going to come in and um, play the you know the not father figure because he's not meant that many years between but you know the, the elder brother arm around the shoulder Harry Redknapp type where both Argies um, you're, you're going to play for me type thing but um, the main thing with Lamella is the same thing that I've said about him all year he's, he's 21 years old um, he's come to a different country where he can't speak the language without his family it's, it's going to be difficult for him and then he got injured at the same time um, I don't think games well when he did play uh, we chucked him on as soon as he arrived against Arsenal away which was odd didn't he start against I have, uh, given that we he did. He started against uh, Manchester that was City. Like an absolute fucking disaster. I remember seeing that lineup and just thinking, of all the games to throw him in. I mean, he's obviously talent-wise one of the best players at the club, but Man City away—that's not where you give someone like their their first steps into the game. You start them off at home to the relegated uh, the relegation candidates and build him up. You don't really throw him on there. It's just, yeah, you know, I, I, I totally agree. His Adaptation period was totally mismanaged and did nothing to help him at all. It only served to make him look stupid. Yeah, um, he, he did actually quite well in the early Europa League games, um, which again is you know questionable the, the quality there. But you've got to bed him in somewhere there. I mean, there was one game I can't remember exactly who it was against now, but he, he scored a goal and he, he got taken down for a penalty because it, you know when he scored that goal he had that little bit of uh, uh, quality about him uh, you know the ball started sticking to his feet a bit more dribbling a bit faster and closer to the area and he got taken down for that penalty and that's the first glimpse you saw of how good he can be but again his his age is something that is the one that I would hold up the most the fact that he played so well for Roma last season is is by the by it's a completely different situation but uh, what you spent so much time in Argentina is there any sort of Talk about him there. Is he? He's a he's a river boy, isn't Everyone he? Everyone seems the, genuinely the most. The question that I was most often asked in Argentina was, "Is Eric Lamela still alive?" They, they they had absolutely no idea what had happened to him. All of his name, his name had just totally uh, vanished from any media. Whereas he was succeeding so much at Roma that he was quite a fixture before. It was not really Lamela watch, but it was you know this guy is going to be a big player in the national team. He's being called up. He's doing really well in Rome. You know, this guy is going to be alongside Messi when the World Cup comes. And he just fell off the face of the earth and they wanted to know what happened. It was, is he injured? Does the manager not like him? Do the fans not like him? They were asking all the same questions as we were. It was totally bizarre. And all I could say was, yeah, he's injured. You know, questions over his um, capacity to adapt. I mean, all of the same things we've just discussed. It, it was no clearer out there. And people were saying, yeah, I mean, it was just... They were saying, like, he's gone from Rome to London, the weather's shit, he's going to be depressed. That's all there is to it. <laughs> it did seem that way for a while, which was which was worrying. He, um, his family did eventually move over and 
Um, he's always been like at the club. There's this photos of him sitting behind the bench and things when he's been injured, and he took part in the, the final lap around the pitch on the end of the end of the season with his hood up and what have you. So he is just a, a boy at the end of the day. I've, I've often compared myself to him. If I had to, if roles were reversed, and I had to do the same, if, if somebody told me that I was going to be moving away from from Yorkshire for for that amount of money to go and do my job. In a in a country in which I didn't speak the country, in a country where I didn't speak the language, sorry, I don't think I'd, I'd struggle in in much the same way. Um, yeah, I think he's he's he struggled off the pitch as he has on it, and um, hopefully next year when he's a, a tiny bit older, a tiny bit more used to his surroundings, and and uh, Pochettino might use him more sensibly within the squad, actually give him a good decent run in there. I know he's. Got a pre-season with the club under his belt because he's he's not being picked by Argentina for the World Cup. He um, should hopefully hopefully see a bit more of him next year, especially with Ericsson playing better and uh, you know hopefully a better integrated Soldado up front. It should work out better, but you know that's what we said at the start of the year. Yeah, I remember that we did the um, preview podcast at the start of the year, and Jack said all the signs are good on Lamelo, so it's just going to go totally tits up. It's just what happens to Tottenham. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, that was the, that was what was so bad about it was that it was just so inevitable. Once once it started to go wrong, it was like, oh no, oh no. I mean, all you can do is feel for the kid because it's it's just going to get worse from here. Um, it's probably going to be the worst season of his career. But I think, um, call it pub logic as, as as it was described earlier. But I think Pochettino is the guy who can say like, yeah, I, I've done the same thing as you. You haven't got to sit and sulk about it. You can come through it and make it make, help you make it stronger. And once you've done that, you can do anything. And I think next year is going to be a big year for Lamela. And I think he'll deliver. I was talking to an Argentine friend earlier who said, so Spurs have got an Argentine manager. Do you think that's going to get the best out of Lamela next year? It seems like that's a good way to go, especially with someone like Pochettino who plays a style of football, which is right up Lamela's street. So I had to agree. Yeah, I think next year is going to be a... Uh, as big a contrast as you can imagine, he's going to. I think I wouldn't say he's going to be well uh, player of the year in sort of the Suarez style recovery, but he's definitely going to be the player that we know he can be. Going to be the, the first choice player on the right side of the attack, and I think he'll deliver. Chinky's uh, potential to be our Gareth Bale, as you know, trite an example has been made. And we already yeah, had one of those. I would, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a trite example. I'd say it's, it's almost the perfect comparison. I mean, Gareth Bale is someone that Pochettino could do well to, to, to remind him of, say, you know, he was this close to being sold and look where he is now. I mean, it's, just because you've hit rock bottom here doesn't mean you're going to be stuck there. You can always go back to the heights of the game. He could have been swapped for Stuart Downing. So there you go. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah. Right. Well, there's our, our players, players in. We won't, we won't dwell too much on players out. A couple of notable Players out, William Gallas, we released. Probably, you know, with the, the right decision to let him go. Although there are times when we arguably could have done with him this season. Although he was pretty much at a walking pace whenever he was fully sprinting last year, wasn't he? Did you see that own goal? Is it an own goal he scored in the A-League? Oh, Christ, he gave no. away. Have you not seen it? Yeah, uh, I have. I it's, it's brilliant. He takes two swipes at clearing a ball. <laughs> and misses it both times and rolls it straight to the striker with the second one. <laughs> he has two goes at smashing it as far as he can and with the second one swings with his right foot and kicks it away from his own foot with his left foot. It's fantastic. 
Amazing. I think it's on the it's on the A League blooper reel, which is as always well worth checking out. Well, well worth ten minutes of your time on YouTube. Is, is blooper reel isn't that like their best of? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Every I think Del, Del Piero plays in the A League now, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just he's just left. He's just finished his contract with I think it was Sydney. One of my mates met him out there. It was pretty great because he expected it to be like uh, um, like a, a sort of a White Hart Lane sort of ground, you know, you don't really get to meet the players, but it was basically a conference style thing. He just walked up to him and it's Alessandro Del Piero, said, All right. Del Piero's like, Hey man, how's it going? <laughs> Have a chat by the side of the pitch. So what you're like more? you're like one of the biggest Italian footballers of all time. Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you like say him. so. Yeah. I like him. He was a good player, Del Piero. He's a great player, money. <sighs> Beautiful man as well. Um, yeah, very pretty eyes, I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> um, David Bentley released on a free sixteen sixteen point five million pounds on a free. We're not going to go through the entire. No, we're not. Just a, just a couple of notable ones. Um, did you did David you happen Bentley to see? Notable? Well, it's, I I think yeah, I think he is just in the respect of the amount of money that was spent on him and how drastically his stock fell when he did sign. But I don't know if either of you saw his interview he gave with BT on Sports. BT Sport. Yeah, it was remarkable, wasn't it? Yeah, was. It, I, I thought, mean, he he touched on the, like the angle of it potentially being depression or something like that, which you know is is something to be revered and obviously respected mm-hmm. if he is to be coming out of that. But then, as much of that though, he even said himself he didn't really think it was depression. It was more just that he didn't like football anymore. I think I think he's on record somewhere else as saying that he had depression. Really, he might okay. be trying, trying to steer it away from there on TV. Um, I took that from the interview was that, uh, yeah, he, he touched on his issues with depression, but at the same time, he came across as so many young English players do as the most spoiled child you can imagine. I thought. Mm. I don't know whether you saw there was an, another uh, thing in the Daily Mail a few weeks ago um, that I saw linked to on Twitter, and it was. Uh, an excerpt from Jimmy Bullard's autobiography. Oh, God, that was... Yeah, they were were both on England duty and they got bored because Fabio Capello wouldn't let them eat what they wanted to or as much as they wanted to at dinner. So they phoned... Was it one of Bentley's friends or Bullard's friends? And they snuck in a a Big Mac each to the team hotel. And I just thought that said everything about David Bentley's commitment to his profession. It's just non-existent. The, the, the thing about that that was particularly galling as well is Jimmy Bullard said that and he said how they used to, I think he actually used the line for the Bants, say yeah. Postman Pat as loudly as they could around Fabio Oh yeah, Fabio run Capello. up to Fabio Capello and yell Postman Pat yeah. in his face. And, yeah, and, but, but then a few paragraphs later said, I always felt aggrieved whenever I was in the England camp. I felt like no one ever took me seriously. Yeah, exactly. Like, are, are you having a fucking laugh, mate? Like seriously, <laughs> yeah. you know? But. And there was, to go back to the Bentley interview on BT Sports, hmm. I'm just going to bring it back to that with, I think at one point David Bentley said it felt too much like a job. <laughs> is your, it fucking is your job, dickhead. Turn up and put the effort in. He kept, he kept moaning about, oh, it's too too professional. It's not enough fun. It's your fucking job, do it. Yeah, I think he said that other thing, didn't he? People would, I would, uh, I would just want to go out and play football, and then I'd have to go to training, and people would tell me, "Oh, you only made this many passes in the last game. You should focus your passes here. You should do this. You should mm-hmm. do that." It's like, yeah, it's training, mate. Like it makes yeah. you better. It's it's yeah. what you go through when you. Oh, I don't know. Never mind. Um, what were you going to say? I, I lost all sympathy for him 
when he was talking about how um, he was having to be trained in uh, positional discipline. And they were telling him <laughs> that he'd he'd not done his job on the on the right wing. And uh, he, he took umbrage with that. And I, I lost all sympathy for him because that is essentially, if you're wanting to become a professional footballer, unless you're playing Sunday League, you're going to be managed in a, in a manner where yeah, exactly. Exactly. you're going that to be was playing what, for the team. It's, it's not about yeah, you. Was, it's, just... it's, it's, a, it's a team sport. You've got to do your job in order to do better for the collective rather than it being David Bentley's show where uh, essentially what is now a business who's paid £16 million for your services to do a job you refuse to do so because you want to have a kick about and uh, I think that's a, an appalling way to look at football if you, if you compare him to the very best in the game uh, the likes of Bale who we had at the club where he uh, reports say he was the first one on the training field last one off it never um, you know, never drank, smoke he's still with the same last he was with in high school um, all that sort of business he's just so so down to the ground, he, m- he might be a boring person. I mean, if we take it back to James Milner and the England thing, you're not going to catch him shouting postman pat in someone's face. If you if you tell him to do a job, he'll do it. That's because he's a professional human being, and that's why so many people have so much respect for him. That's why he's he's continuously picked and and played for England is because he does his job like a grown man rather than the way in which Jimmy Bullard chooses to conduct himself they strike me as uh people that would like watching wwe i don't know uh, you know i just i just get that vibe Find mrs brown's boys funny i get yeah oh god eat ginster's pasties um but uh, a couple of ones I'd, i'll just scroll through a few stephen Colker, nine million pounds still looks like good business for me to be honest yeah no know. arguments um clint Dempsey, awful season in the mls six million pounds good business i think yep yeah Tom Hoddlestone found his level, had a very good year. Good good luck to the lad. Um perhaps we could have used him in a few games, but you know, he's 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 not the a massive absence like a lot of people have made out. I mean, well, he I is kind he of is. a massive absence. Yeah, I was about to make this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um and he he lost his hair as well, so there you go. Football against haircut stop. All Chris. the ability in the world, that boy. All the ability in the world. Uh, two of the best feet I've ever seen. Uh, play football, but um, just not 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 mobile enough. The pace of the Premier League is often too much for him against the better players. And I actually think uh, that season we were in the Champions League, he actually played a lot better. Uh, if you cast your mind back, he was actually our our captain on the night that we beat Inter Milan. Yeah. We won at home, um, and he played fantastically in, in that campaign because the pace of the game in the middle of the park was slightly slower for him. So um, he's actually more suited to international football and European football, but the you know, we'll see how how Hull choose to play him next season. He's uh, he's one of the players that it always gets leveled at English players. They don't go abroad. They don't travel. Huddleston's like one of the guys who could go and do a really good job somewhere. Yeah, he could do. I I, I like I like Tommy Huddleston. Um, he's he's you know he seems like a a decent lad. He seems like a fairly sort of focused professional as well. So whatever. Um, he's gone. <laughs> um, Jermaine Defoe. Fantastic business that six million pounds. I'm surprised uh, got anywhere near that. And it was quite funny seeing FC Toronto's desperate attempts at trying to make it seem like a massive, massive deal with their their promo. You know, I think their their strap line was it 
yes, it's bloody happened or so I can't bloody believe it or something really weird. And there was that strange promo of all these like stereotypically English people reading newspapers and on buses and things, spitting their tea out as they saw this news that Jermaine Defoe had signed for <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but there you go. Um, and last but not least, Mr. Gareth Bale. What a, what a season that boy's had. Um, a lot of people said it was just hype and he wasn't that good, but I think he's more than silenced the critics this year. I don't know. I, I'd say he has anyway. It's not been bad, yeah, has no it? I mean, I mean, he scored the, effectively the winning goals in the Copa del Rey in the Champions League final, um, which, you know, as far as that goes, it's uh, it's not a bad start to the year for him. Uh, <laughs> it's I mean, all right, Madrid, Real Madrid's two of their most important players this year are ex-Tottenham players. I mean, Luka Modric, fantastic. Have you seen his haircut, by the way? I was stunned. Absolutely stunned. It's appalling, isn't it? He actually it? Looks, he looks ill. He actually looks like he's <laughs> got leukemia. He looks like he's got leukemia or something because he looks about 20 years younger. Um, I mean, hopefully he's not like Samson and they've just taken away his powers because... As I've said many times, he's one of my favourite players in the league, in, in the world, even to to watch. Um, just the way he operates and the way he is on the field. Uh, one thing I would ask, um, I'll ask you this, Rob. If you were in charge of Real Madrid, would you feel comfortable now, while there's a bit of value still on him, perhaps selling off Cristiano Ronaldo and letting Bale shine? Oh God! What a question. Um, no, I don't think you can sell Cristiano Ronaldo. I just don't think it's. Bale's good and all, but he's just Ronaldo's one of a kind. He's Bale's never going to come close to producing the sort of figures that Ronaldo does. I mean, Ronaldo can be an absolute fucking dickhead at the worst of times, but he's an amazing footballer. I don't think anyone in their right mind would cash in on him. So, do you think Bale's probably going to linger around that Robin Ribery type level? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, that's a bad level to be. No, at. no, of course not. Of course not. Like you know, definitely, yeah, they're up there in terms of what they they do. Um, so we were going to go through month by month, Raj, but we've we've kind of overrun a bit. So should we should we skim through essentially how Tottenham season went? It's probably for the best. Sorry. We can sum up in about a, in about a sentence, can't we? Shit. Think. Well, yeah, no. Um, August, yeah, um, much promise, much promise. Um, in that we won all our games two in August, um, but it was hard work, wasn't it? Um, we two did, penalties did, to, to Robert Osaldado penalties against two serviceable sides. Yeah. Then uh, September again, we lost one game. We won't say who to. Well. Oh, it was um, the day before my 21st birthday that I remember it well. I watched it in a pub in uh, the Lake District with my granddad and my uh, my dad. And uh, put a bit of a damper on things. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I still I, recall even in that game, though, we were definitely the better of the two teams. We'd, we were. We should have probably scored, but as is the way with with probably what cost AVB towards uh, the start of the season, we just weren't playing in the final third as much uh, as, as well as we could have done. He was, I think um, the more I've thought about why we started the season as conservatively has done is because I, I think that's that's the way in which he was trying to integrate players. Um, because if you try and, if you, if you analyse it like a, a car, say you put a new engine in a car and you're testing it, 
you, you don't want to put it up to 100 mile per hour straight away because you're going to blow it up. Um, well, possibly blow it up because you don't know how it's going to work. But if you if you slowly go through the gears and take it up nice and steadily, then it might happen. But obviously along the way, Man City and, and Liverpool came and uh, popped a few tyres. And uh, that was that. I think by the end of it, he pretty much just... With uh, with the press attacking him, with um, with the signings perhaps not gone as way as, the way in which he wanted to. Um, I've heard uh, the cynic inside me as well uh, wants to kind of distance myself from this, but uh, the fact that he ended up in that Zenit job so quickly afterwards, uh, the cynic inside of me thinks whether or not that the contact was already made there, and he was just kind of waiting for his his big money payday, a, a nice Champions League racist Russian club for him there to, you know, set him up for life and the and the Dakar rally. Um I, I, I still think it still sits sour with me. Um the, the way in which he went and the fact that he did go. Um mainly because we had nobody in place to to come in and take the job on apart from Tim Sherwood. Um which it, that that entire period from December onwards where we lost him and then put Sherwood in and then the brand of football we played in, in just guessing essentially and then beating the teams we shouldn't, struggling so badly against the other ones and the, the embarrassment we were off the pitch and the way in which he conducted himself. As I said previously, I don't think I've ever been as, as disillusioned with the club and probably with the game as I am now um, after this season. I think the World Cup has, has got to live up to its hype to try and turn me around and save me because at the moment I just... I'm not even when, when, even when the new manager was announced. I'd, I'd usually be happy as Larry and be, you know, having a look at how we're going to play, kind of guessing, second guessing what's going to happen next year. But I just, I didn't have the art. I kind of the thing that sums it up for me is when it when the story broke, I was sat next to my dad in the car, just flicking through Twitter as I do, and the official tweet came through, and I kind of tilted the screen at my dad, and he puffed out his lips and shrugged his shoulders, and that's exactly <laughs> the same way I felt. Um, it was just you know. Here's another one. We'll see what happens. It was very much um, just, you know, see how it goes. The thing that, you know, like, just because I don't really think we've got the time. I don't think there's much need to really go through the whole season in an itemised fashion. Mm -hmm. You can see that the wheels started to come off November, December time. um, Well, at the end of October with, well, start of October losing to West Ham. But when you actually scroll through our results, there's a lot of, you know, decent results and decent performances throughout the season. Um, and we still, we, we won a hell of a lot of games this year. Um, and games that you would kind of historically say were tricky for Tottenham. However, when it didn't go well for us, it was catastrophic. And it seems that way with both Villas-Boas and with Sherwood, which again, to me, would suggest that that mentality in the fight isn't there amongst the playing staff. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if that's. Do you think that's something the new manager can change, Pochettino, or do you think it is going to be part of his job to now identify key protagonists amongst these kind of players that maybe, despite whatever ability they have, need to be shown the door. Prime example being someone like Adebayor. Well, you'd you'd hope this preseason, you'd hope this preseason and this uh, this summer period would be the uh, you know turning off the PlayStation and turning it back on after a heavy defeat and, <laughs> and going again. Because um, I think the players, in, in, in much the same way we were, were sold this project under Villas-Boas, this, this plan, 
know, young manager. He's going to be here for a few years. He's going to he's going to take us through. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. We're going to be much better. And and for a start of the season, it actually seemed like it might be coming together, especially with with the mood around the club. We're so positive at the start of the year with the business we'd done. Even with Bale leaving, I think most people had resigned themselves to that after the final ball had been kicked the season before, just because it was at such a level where there was there was <laughs> there was no real way that we were going to be able to keep him. I think we actually probably did try um, his conduct towards the end of the end of his time at the club, as as you might remember, wasn't the best. He was he didn't even turn up to training. There's you know, there's questions over just how injured he was towards the start of it. I think he was he was more unfit than anything else, just because he'd he'd not turned up. It, rather than um, rather than playing in our preseason games, he was on holiday in Marbella. Um, and now you'd imagine that was probably while the the transfer was being ironed out. In that but, horrible pink t-shirt and cap. Yeah, he, he looked like uh, looked like a, a ten year old chav. Um, no, he looked like an than... actual penis. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, his style aside, it was you know the mood around the club was still quite high, and we started the season well. I think there was an, even a Europa League game sandwiched in between Palace and Swansea where we we smashed someone, and then we came back for Arsenal, which was slightly deflating. But even in that game, uh, Arsenal did something he'd never done before, and he was he, his three substitutions were defensive. He took off three attacking players and put on three. Uh, defenders and three uh, and a holding midfielder to see the game out against Tottenham at home, and I've never seen that before. And he did that again in the fixture at White Hart Lane, and he was taking an extra level of precaution that he'd never had done before against us, which shows that the perhaps the gulf between us and them wasn't wasn't that great. I mean, their start of the season was phenomenal; they, they fell off as they always do. But um, it was just for us. It was just once, once, once the sacking had happened, and once the the mood around the club had become so stale. I mean, the the off field things that fed into it, the stub hub and the and everything like that was just um, wasn't wasn't going to help. And then uh, I don't. The fan base became divisive. The the, the manager was. I don't think you need a statesman and you need somebody who's going to be able to be the, the face of the club and with Andre you always felt like that I mean especially when he had that moment where he he, he showed up Neil Ashton and he kind of took him on I think it may have been ill-advised in, in a PR sense but as a, a human being he had every right and he showed him up there so I was, I was disappointed that went off because I think that's the, the reason I'm so reserved towards the new manager is because I bought in so heavy-hearted with the previous regime, and I believe that was gonna was gonna take its time to do well. And because it was cut short, eighteen months into the project, I'm quite fearful of of you know buying into this one, even though we've got a a five-year contract. And uh, I'd be riddled with clauses though, and checkpoints, and markers, and. You know, Levy will have that covered. Yeah, Daniel Levy will have printed that off with his fingers crossed behind his back when Pochettino signed that. Yeah. So, I mean... The axe in one hand, the cross fingers in the other. Yeah, just... I mean, um, I'm just, you know, as I say, it's going to gonna take a little bit. I mean, come the first game of the season and we end up... We win or something, I'll, I'll be right back with a, with a smile on my face, as I always am. Uh but uh, this time in being the, the way that last season ended and how sour it was 
Uh, it was a fan. Just uh, it wasn't enjoyable at all. I think if it wasn't for Ledley's testimonial, I'd have been completely pushed over the edge. As a uh, oh, that was a joy to behold that that one. But Rob, um, we will we will divert people to your to your article, the uh, the Pochettino article that is on SpursStatman dot com now. Um, but just to kind of summarise your your views around what we could expect from Pochettino. Do you think, as, as a neutral, you can maybe separate yourself from some of the doom and gloom? Do you think it's a, a promising appointment for Spurs? Do you think there are better times really ahead do. for us? I, yeah, I certainly do. I think uh, I took 3,000 words to say what I wanted to say to get everything out there, basically everything there is to be said. And uh, someone replied on Twitter and just said, you could have done it in four. AVB, uh, I can't remember what it was, AVB, but with uh, with people skills. I was like, yeah, that's that's exactly what he is. I mean, he's going to do uh, the job that AVB wasn't, but he's going to... Uh, ...himself arguing on the training ground with uh, with players over selection and tactics. He's going to, it's going to be his way or the highway, and he's not going to be shy of getting rid of big players. Um, when he started off at Espanyol, there was... Uh, a period where I mean, he, he went straight from being a player to being a manager. So for some players, he was their teammate and then he was their boss the next day. And he saw out the first season and kept them up. And then the second season, he sold a lot of the experienced players because they weren't doing what he wanted them to do. So he had, they, these were his friends and his former colleagues and he still, still didn't matter. He got rid of them. So I don't think there's any question that he's going to do, it's going to be his way and he's not going to be one who cows to the demands of big big name players. Um, if I had any worries, it would be that his 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 way of playing football was going to be similarly frustrating to the one we saw under AVB when all it took was a team to park the bus and that was it. Like there was no ingenuity. There was no all right. Well, they've parked the bus. We'll do this instead. It was just keep going, keep going, keep going, and then it would be nil nil or. They'd concede a goal or something. It's just some some sort of disaster before the team. Or, or I mean, it's worked for Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen is uh, we're going to have the same sort of start to the season where uh, it's yet more upheaval. I mean, I don't think there's going to be too many ins and outs this summer. It's probably going to be more outs than ins because, like you say, the the, the level of disenchantment at the club now is almost. I mean, I can't remember another time when Spurs has been this down. I mean, no one's got any... I mean, how bad does this season have to be when everybody's highlight is a testimonial at the end? <laughs> just That says it all. I think going into next season, there's going to be a lot of fans who share Raj's sentiments where they're just hoping but not expecting. And I think given uh, his preference to whittle the squad down and to get a solid core playing all the time, um, the guys who are going to be playing are going to be very happy with it and they're going to play every week and there's going to be a team spirit fostered that we haven't seen at Spurs for a long time. But as we were saying with Kapu earlier, Spurs have got a lot of hyped young men who've come from clubs that we don't really know much about or in, in, in countries where we don't really pay attention to what's going on, but they're going to complain. And when they complain, it's going to get back to Spurs. So we could see that Pochettino has something of a cull. We could see the guys like Kapu, Adebayor, uh, maybe even Holtby. I'd be very surprised if he got rid of Holtby, but if he's not going to be first choice, then they might just decide to throw him under the bus. Um, 
I think it's a good time to be a Spurs fan, even after all this. I mean, it was a depressing season, but in the grand scheme of things, they still finished about where they'd hoped to be. But in the, if you finish there on your worst season, then your worst season can't be that bad, is it? If it's only going to get better, then the top four isn't as far away as it may seem. No, it's it's a very pragmatic way of looking at it. For a season that's so turbulent as well, um, I, I think like a, a, not as much has been made of this as it should have been. But the fact is that I think Tim Sherwood's impressive winning percentage is mainly down to the fact that we do have really talented footballers. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the one thing that people are forgetting. A lot of people are saying Pochettino's system. I mean. There are a couple of stats which sum up the sort of the problem that you had at Southampton. I mean, they finished eighth, which when you're not one of the top seven is basically like winning the league. That's as good as you can do. Um, but they, they, they threw away the most points from winning positions and they never once recovered uh, a win when they went behind. So um, these things can be, have been levelled at him as well. He's not fit to manage Spurs if he can't turn it around, if he hasn't got a plan B. But yeah, I mean, Tim Sherwood got away with so many errors just because the players were so good. I mean, when Pochettino comes in and he applies a real system to it and they start playing, their talent is going to carry them a long way. There's going to be teams that turn up and put, do the right thing, but they're not going to be able to match Spurs for individual talent. The sort, the sort of, uh, I mean, if you imagine a front four of Lamela, Eriksson, uh, I, I put I put Sigurdsson in my first team for next season, but if you'd say uh, Holtby or Lalana should he arrive, and Soldado up front, those four are going to, I mean, they're not going to stop them scoring. There's just no way to do it. They're just too good. Apparently, he's very uh, he's very sweet on Harry Kane as well, or, or Joe's side. He, he's actually tried to sign him um, earlier yeah. on in the season for Southampton, which you could see him, uh, as I don't know if you boys have seen, um, Liverpool are on the verge of signing Ricky Lambert. I, yeah. I shit you not. Um, yeah, that's fucking weird. Yeah, for about £9 million. Um, or £4 million of add-ons going up to £9 million. But uh, anyway, you could, you could. I think that extra, see... ten, that extra five million is just to feed him for the season. I think <laughs> Harry Kane playing in that Ricky Lambert type role, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it would suit him down to the ground. And one one thing that Pochettino's got a long history of, right from the start at Espanyol, is taking young players and putting them in. He's not scared to do it, and he's prepared to live and die by it. And Spurs have got a good academy, and we know that they've got good young players like Tom Carroll who seem to get to the top of the reserves but never make the breakthrough and I think now I mean he's not going to be afraid to say to these big name players like Capu or Paulinho or Vatonga who show a shit attitude sometimes and say well I'm too good you can't sell me so fuck you I will sell you and then I'll put this kid in who actually wants to be here and I'll make him the player you are so I mean that's why I think it's a time to be optimistic I mean there's a lot of players who haven't given their all and he'll just get rid of them and the young players that are there will get the chance He'll make them into the best players they can be. If uh, if we are to raid Southampton, um, Raj, who who would who would you like? Like um, realistically speaking, so not obviously Luke Shaw. <laughs> I was going to say the only one that we could probably actually need is him, but um, he's Jake Ward Prowse. Uh, again, he's he's one of many midfielders. We we have a yeah. few of those. That's one of the areas we we really don't need to be strengthening in. Um, that's one of the ones where we, we can probably be quite happy with what we've got and be looking towards building for next year, to be honest. Um, uh, I think it entirely depends on who goes out, if anybody wants to actually leave, because that's, that's an unknown quantity, really. You can't 
judge these players' requests. There could be some of them who, who genuinely do want to go, but um, as I've said <laughs> hundreds of times now, um, my, my my first choice signing for the season would be Ben Davies from, from Swansea. I think that's uh, that's that's fairly public now. Um, we we need two left backs in my opinion, not just the one, because I think Asu Okoto's, um position club is now untenable after his uh, favourable attitude towards the Quinnell and his behaviour towards the previous manager. Um, I don't think he he has a place at Tottenham Hotspur anymore, and I think Daniel Danny Rose has has played himself out of out of being a starter at the club because he's he's been awful more often than not. Um, and the only other player that's played at left back is um, we've had Norton and Vertonghen. We know Vertonghen's going to throw a party if you put him there. Didn't Zeki Fryer's play a couple of games as well? Zeki Fryer's actually bought as a left back, but he, the build of the boy and the way in which he moves, he's he's more of a centre back. He actually he's played centre back probably in the first team more often than he's played left back, and he's actually looked right. more much more comfortable there because he's had less time on the ball and less mm-hmm. reason to run. Yeah, I know it sounds like an odd thing to say, and it, it slightly bored no, what lines mean, yeah. on what Fer- on what Fergie said about uh, Henderson in his book. But the way in which he moves doesn't actually look as if he's, he's a comfortable runner. No, even he does. It's the, weird, isn't it? Even on or off the ball, just because he's quite stocky, he just he, he moves in a way which is not conducive of a of somebody who's going to spend his entire game running up and down the touchline. Which is the job of modern fullback? I think he's still got time to develop as a centre back, but I, I don't see his future in on a flank whatsoever. So, um, I, I'd be happy with any or all of Lovren, Schneiderlin, and Klein. I think yeah, Lovren probably Klein was one. the one I was going to put forward. I don't know about Lovren. Klein a right back. Yeah, yeah, a bloody no, good one as well. Playing over Walker or as an understudy or competition for. Yeah, competition for you know I mean. It's a bit greedy that isn't it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I was I was I was I was trying to cover needs must first. I mean, if we manage to go through this entire summer without purchasing one left back, um <laughs> I'm not just gonna can't be happy happen, can it? Just, just, just delete happy. your Twitter account, mate. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, I'll I'll cry, I'll sob. I'm surprised um, at your selection of Ben Davies though. I mean if you're gonna go after anybody, why Ben Davies? He he's him. fantastic. He's he's 21 years old. He's he's I played he... in the Premier League for a season and a half consistently. He plays the right type of football for us. Um, he he's slightly weak in defence at the moment, but <laughs> that'll that'll come with age and that'll come with time. Um, compared to the ones who currently got his head and shoulders above, if you actually look at his attacking statistics and his ability on the ball going forwards and, and actually influencing the play, he's, he's actually better in some regards than Luke Shaw, who, okay, he's two years, about two years younger than uh, than uh, Davies is at present, but he's three times the price. If you're able to get a player who's not that much, you know, you know the ability and potential isn't too different from Shaw, in my, my opinion. The, the trajectory of their careers aren't too different other than the fact that Shaw's a, a fashionable club He's English, so there's a premium there for some reason on his talent because of this home run status. I think Davies must qualify for that as well, even though he's Welsh. Um, I, I think he's a he's a fantastic purchase, and I think for the price we'd be able to get him at from, I think anywhere between eight to probably thirteen, fourteen million uh, is his price, which for his age and his ability, I think that's that's fairly good, and I think. 
thinking like Daniel Levy would probably be able to to make profit back on that should uh, should he he fulfil his potential. Um, he's at an age at which we we've bought a lot of footballers, um, and he's in a position where he'd be he'd be able to come straight into the team because he's he's played in the league long enough. And um, he's got the experience, so I, I can't. It's a win-win for me. I mean, he was he was scouted and very, very closely. Um, what's the word? Inquired over by uh, Cholo Simeone at, at Letty in January. They were very close yeah. to bringing him in. So I mean, if if he thinks he can play in that system at Letty, there's no reason he can't come at Tottenham and. and the only then. question mark I've got over him is, I mean, you've said it, I agree that he's great going forward. I mean, he's got that athletic style, which seems to be the, the, uh, the benchmark of every modern fullback, where they're up and down all the time, being productive at both ends. But I'm just not sure he's good enough without the ball. I'm not sure he's aware of what's around him yet. I mean, I, it's fair enough to say that because he's, he's really young. But I'm just not convinced that's ever going to come. I saw that um, he was the most skinned player in the Premier League last season. I think it was in both in both per game metrics and entire like, number of times he was dribbled past. He was way out in front. He was. I was very, um, I was very surprised because he's. I mean, yeah, they, they don't really protect yeah, their fullback. But it, no, but yeah, my my point exactly. They've got nobody in front on that system. Who's that's the be... thing. Like when you've got that, you have to rely on. I mean, I think Spurs are going to be the same if they play with. Um, inside forwards as they did under Bilash Boas then they're not going to have a great deal in front of someone like Ben Davies and if he's not good enough one-on-one then he's going to get he's going to be a real problem for the system he's going to undermine everything we'll have the um the first band midfield will fan out though so that that first band will, will, will separate and spread out when the balls push fire up the field with the high at line you'd hope so you'd hope they'd, so they'd, they'd be covering the, the fullbacks more than the, the attacking players would so I think that that negates any problems he may have there uh, for me, it's just for Tottenham. You can't go out and name the best players in the world. You can't name your your Felipe Luizas. You can't no. be thinking about trying to buy these type of fullbacks. You have to kind of be slightly more pragmatic with the ones that you select. And so, if we're talking be, best of the rest, I think there's going to be uh, sort of a um, a chain where is the left backs are an in demand position at the moment. We've seen Felipe Luiz. Luke Shaw, a few others linked with moves to big teams. And there's more left-backs in demand than there are positions going for it. So there's going to be someone like maybe Ricardo Rodriguez, who's placed for Wolfsburg and Switzerland, who had a remarkable season this year. Where he scored, I think it was five goals and almost got into double figures for assists. It was slightly inflated by the fact that he takes free kicks and penalties and corners. But um, in a one-on-one situation, he's brilliant. And... He's got everything going forward as well. So I think he'd be my number one target. He's 21 as well. And I think if the number one target it was him, I'd be happy to take Ben Davies as second or third choice. But I think Spurs, if they're going to be going, looking to get back into the top four, they've got to aim a bit higher. The thing with Rodriguez over Davies for me is I still have that fear about the business we did last summer with bringing in so many young players from different countries. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. have the same 18 months of Premier League experience in under his belt already which is the thing that weighs it for me is the fact that he's already played in the league he's he's won a cup and he he's played in the europa league as well so he knows what the season's about he knows what it's going to be and um i think for me it's just the one that kind of dovetailed the uh the most compared to the other ones yeah okay we should probably move on. We've been talking about Ben Davies with bloody ages. I, I, I could have had a, have an hour-long Ben Davies chat. 
let's let's wrap it up now, lads. I mean, we've 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 spoken at length today, and um, you know, it's, it's a good way to top off the top off the season. But I will end it on Roger Baines. Just a, a just a shit either or question. Would you rather next year Spurs finish in the top four or won a piece of silverware? Uh, the mood I'm in at the moment, uh, silverware is is most important. Um, I take an FA Cup win right now. I'd, I'd finish anywhere inside the top ten and give me the ten? FA Cup now. Ten, top ten. <laughs> you insane? I, 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 <laughs> if, you offered, if you offered me tenth in the FA Cup, I would quite happily take it. Oh, Raj, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I want the, no. I, I want a cup. Um, I, I don't really care about Europa League or Champions League next season. Um, I would take. Um, I'll take it. In reality, I think we're probably going to be valiant in, in all of our efforts across the board um, and probably miss out on everything and end up finishing um, between fourth and sixth as we uh, as we have come to come to know love. Is it a silly question to ask a neutral? Um, Rob, what's more important for Spurs? The pragmatic a, top four finish? or yeah, a, fourth all day long. Yeah, so, over silverware. I mean, a cup's fine, but you can shit every week and win seven or eight games and get to the cup final and win it. I think Spurs, right now, what they need is good performances every week and a sense of unity in the team and uh, a sense of um, satisfaction in the stands and a, a sort of bond between squad and fans again. They want that sort of um, goodwill to be transmitted. And the only way you do that is by winning every week and I think they'll probably I think it's going to be bloody difficult to finish top four next year because I mean Chelsea, Man City, and uh, Man United, weird as it may sound after the season they had, are probably going to have the top three locked up. So there's only going to be one space going for it. It's going to be Arsenal, Liverpool, and uh, Tottenham. So it's going to be really hard to get there. But if they do it, that'll be worth more than any cup because they'll have beaten those teams to get there. So for me, it's going to be top four all day. But couldn't see? It was kind of a trick question because you could have you could have gone now with both in that if we win the Europa League, we'll uh, we'll be in the Champions League the season after now. So ah, because a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's uh, that's the catch twenty two. But um, yeah, that's that's what I'd, I'd, I'd bloody love to win the Europa League though. Anyway, I think it's yeah, it's derived and everything. But I still think European trophy of any sort is fantastic, barring perhaps like. The Cup Winners' Cup or something, but that doesn't exist anymore. So, no fear of that. Um, anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for not only listening today, but for supporting us throughout our uh, our debut season as a as a podcast. It's been uh, it's been very nice to to have all of your positive and negative feedback. There's there's been there's been plenty of both. So, thanks thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to like us on uh, Twitter. No, it's not even like Christ. I'm supposed Jesus to work Christ, in, supposed to work in social media, and I'm saying you're liking us on Twitter. <laughs> Jesus, um, thank you for following us on Twitter and favouriting and retweeting some of our banal crap. Um, We're talking of banal crap, Jack. Um, yeah. Just as a, as a treat at the end, I'll um, I'll ream off some of uh, Gigi Bacali's greatest moments. <laughs> yeah, please do, mate. I have found a website which which tracks some some wonderful wonderful goings. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. And you can, of course, listen to all the, the previous episodes on um, our Buzzspout website, on SpursStatman.com, 
and through our iTunes page. Um, please check out Spurs Statman this week as well, spursstatman.com. Um, there's been a lot of very good stuff go up, um, including Rob's comprehensive preview. I guess, yeah, it's a preview of Pochettino's reign at Tottenham. Um, yeah, I'd call it that. Yeah, highly recommended. Give it a go. What did I call it? I called it something really um, grandiose, didn't I? It was the, the comprehensive, wasn't it? The, yeah, the comprehensive guide to Pochettino or something, wasn't it? The definitive tactical the, instincts. There you go. That's it. Definitive. I like that. Yeah. You got any? You got any uh, parting words at all, Raj? End of the season. Yep. Uh, September two thousand and ten. Our coach uh, is sacked for being too Muslim. Oh, um, God. That's uh, Gigi Bacali there. Uh, January two thousand and eleven. Uh, Bakali is warned by the Romanian FA for cancelling a transfer because he thought the player was gay. His quote is, <clears throat> I would rather dissolve the club than allow a gay to play for Stour. Um In 2006, this itself actually sounds homosexual, but he backed a campaign to finish off all homosexuals, which to me <laughs> just thinks like he's going to be taken to the streets and wanking off every gay lad he finds. Um, in 2007, he followed that up by saying that gays must be kept in enclosures, which again sounds quite kinky to me. Um, <laughs> he said that um, Romanian league president um, must be beaten for humiliating Stour over talks of a new TV deal and corrupting football. Um, and he said only a moron could think like him. He's illiterate. Um, and then he went on to call him a retard. In return, I call him a tramp. Then we had a fight, he said. <laughs> Um, what else has he got here? It's, it's fantastic. Um, apparently, uh, about picking the team, he said, I pick this team, it's not a democracy. Um, and then appointed a new manager and said, I'm giving him three months, we'll see. Jesus um, Christ. He, the Dinamo chairman um, left his wife in April 2011 to marry a model. Bakali said, it was fine by God. And then went on to say... <laughs> A man can choose. As God said, man is man and woman is tar. Oh, no. God. Um, he's, a, he's an awful human, isn't he? Oh, this is my favourite one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bacali asked on live TV how he feels about a rapid Bucharest manager. And, of course, rapid and Stauer, this is their biggest uh, rivalry. I'm not even going to attempt to say the bloke's name. He's uh, the president of uh, Rapid, uh, making a public reference to Bacali's first job as a shepherd. Uh, Bacali responded by saying, what? He's a filthy filthy jerk, a fat bum. I'll force this gypsy back up his mother. I'm tired of him. All his irony and jokes. He forces me to lose control. He's way out of line. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, just as I say, Google his name and uh, you'll... Uh, uh, this is... Uh, in May 2008, he called a black TV presenter an ape. Um, and in the same month, he was on a roll this month. It must have been the same thing. He said uh, uh, women have no more value after giving birth. Lovely man. Lovely, lovely yep. man. But, uh, well, what, what a way to end the season. GG Bacali, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's, that's, I'm, next season, that's how I'm going to conduct myself on the podcast. I'm going uh, to try and be the, the most politically incorrect version of myself as possible can we just keep it as a pre-recorded little like feature perhaps that we can maybe not include 
So you can you can you can have the catharsis of recording it, but then no one <laughs> actually ever gets to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> but you'll end up getting picked up by UKIP, mate. We'll, so you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, when I went to vote the other day, actually, I walked out. And my mum said to me, "Oh, who did you vote for?" And as a joke, I said, "Oh, BMP." And she looked at me, and went, "Really?" <laughs> so what, what do you expect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Of course I did. No, it was a joke. But, uh, her, her response to me saying no was, uh, it's the type of stupid thing you'd do because you'd find it funny, which uh, shows you uh, how my mother values my intellect. Well, as we all do, mate. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us as well, Mr. Rob Brown. Um, no problem good, at all. Good Hopefully you will, uh, we'll be able to get you on a bit more next, next season if you're not gallivanting off somewhere else, impregnating the locals. We shall see. I've got a hell of a lot of children to go back to. <laughs> there we go. At least he's, uh, he's he's being honest with us. Anyway, um, that's it from Rule the Roost for this season. We'll see you next year. Goodbye. Come on, you Spurs. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.